us having fun. Whoa, what's that beam of light? Hey, young Andrew Lens. It's me, Andrew Lens from the future, telling you that your dream is going to come true. What? No way! Yeah, you're going to have an awesome podcast called Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? And new episodes come out every Sunday on... PSAP Radio Network! The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. And welcome to another episode of History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts, Carter Johnson, and with me are two gentlemen that are near and dear to my heart, Johnny Townsend and Chris Chavez. Fellas? Yo, 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 that me. Uh, that's him. Uh, yeah, and this is me. who's from New York and who's from down south. <laughs> no. I'm from, obviously, I'm from New York. Obviously. And obviously, I'm from North Carolina, yo. That you, gotta like- say, you gotta say it like he did in the wood. Remember in the wood, he's like, I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> and it's like, nobody talks like that here, dude. <laughs> it's That's always awesome. funny when in movies they want somebody to have a southern accent, they go really overboard with it. Oh, oh yeah. Man, do they? Oh yeah. And, and I'm not saying that I that there aren't people here in North Carolina who have a very strong no, the, southern the, accent. Those are the people heart. they always talk to on the news. That's <laughs> 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 the same we with like New best, York. We get their best sound bites. It's yeah. the same as New York though, because everyone's like, Hey, I'm from New York. Hey, oh, like they're Andrew Dice Clay, right? Well and, and, and yeah, and when, when when most of us hear New York, we immediately think New York City. And it's like, right. no, that's not necessarily true. There's an entire state, yeah. you know, where or people live. Exactly. Or yeah, or New, or New Jersey, or, you know, maybe or if Minnesota. New York. And or Minnesota. <laughs> Let's just cover all the areas, and so many people that listen to us will be really mad at us. The <laughs> best one, the Minnesota. Best one is, is Stephen King in Maximum Overdrive when he's like, come on over here, sugar buns. <laughs> this machine just called me an asshole. I, I, I wish everybody would talk Come on over here, sugar buns. Seriously, like, it's that's obviously how, a guy from Maine trying to do a southern accent. If I ever got to be an actor, that's how it always act. That's for sure, sugar buns. That's awesome. To be or not to be, well, that is the question. If you were a talk show host, that could be your, you know, your exit line. Well, we're going to need show, a bigger sugar boat. <laughs> Our boat isn't big enough, but we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> that's awesome phone home oh god i think my favorite reference to other accents is from dumb and dumber when he's like what that's a lovely accent you have there what is that and she's like austria and he's like oh well the good eye mate throw another (laughs) shrimp on the bobby (laughs) throw another shrimp on the bobby Oh God! Oh, that's a great movie, dude. I, I wonder. <laughs> I honestly truly wonder uh, if Australian people get offended by that because they have a great sense of humor to start with. So uh, I'm just curious because they, uh, you know, they hear that all the time. From uh, the shrimp on the Barbie thing, or or this yeah. this is a knife. They probably hear that all yes. the time too, yep. right? Yep. 
Oh man, oh, that's just Dude, they, they, they did that. They did that in Wolf Creek. They did that in Wolf Creek. It's about an Australian serial killer in yeah, the outback, yeah. and he corners those backpackers, and he's like, "That's not a knife." this is a knife yeah that movie was fucked up dude i remember yeah, watching that going holy crap that's crazy and it was based i guess it's based on reality uh not the exact story itself but it is based on reality people going out backpacker. there yeah, getting the lost uh, that stuff there. yeah nobody knows what happened to him man uh, we should cover that sometime. there we go there you go there's oh, a lot so, of yeah. cool stories out of australia we could cover for sure oh yeah a lot sure. of scary shit down there man oh <laughs> Spiders, always, they can kill you just by looking at you. I firmly believe that Australia is just – if you're in Australia, that, that whole country is just out to kill you constantly. <laughs> and those people have like earned their right to survive there. Yes. You know what I'm if saying? You're, <laughs> if you're Australian, I'm not going to mess with you because no. I know oh, you're tougher than no, I am. Man. Not with all them <laughs> things down there, and you've already survived those. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a kangaroo would murder me. <laughs> dude, apparently a kangaroo can kick your ass, dude. I know. I was like, they can, they can mess you up really bad, dude. Johnny, you've seen Matt Hardy, right? You've seen him with the kangaroo. Yeah. Yes, I have. And you've seen that thing kick him in the stomach. And he's got, yes. he's got, like, he's worked out to take that. Like, imagine somebody who didn't. That shit would just, ex- like, rupture your spleen. If, Did he if take a it? kangaroo, yeah, he took it. If a kangaroo kicked, kicked me in the abs, I would need you guys to pick my spine up because it's going to be it's going to burst out. Probably, my back. yeah, probably so. That probably goes for all of us, man. Finish him, <laughs> kangaroo <Yeah>. kick. <laughs> so that's a Mortal Kombat game I'd play. There you go. What the kangaroo? Yeah. Oh, oh man. So, guys, it's been a while since we got together for History Creeps. It feels like so. Actually, it's only been a few weeks, but uh, yeah, we got a we got a fun show for you today. Uh, we were thinking. I don't think we have current creeps, right? Nothing aside from like real horrors that are happening in the world and real creepers that are being exposed in the world. Uh, there's there's uh, no there's no paranormal, uh, unexplained kind of current creeps, right? Sadly, no. At least that would be something. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Carter, what do you got for us today? You got a story for the good creeper kitties at home. I got well. Here's let me start it this way, because um, I I'm I'm not gonna I would be remiss if I didn't give this uh, YouTube channel uh, a shout out as to how I came across this. Uh, I subscribe to a YouTube channel called Bedtime Stories, uh, which is very interesting. They tell uh, scary stories from history, scary subscriber stories, but they they tell it with narration and original artwork. So there's about three or four guys that work on these videos. One narrates, one writes it, one edits it, one does the artwork. Uh, So I came across a video uh, on their channel about the Yuba County Five. Um, And I watched it, and it was a really, really interesting story. So I decided to dive a little bit deeper into it. Uh, And that is what we're going to be covering today, class. Uh, The Yuba County Five. So... One of the wonderful things about the internet, as we all know, is that everything is archived now. So you can go back 20, 30, 40 years to find a a newspaper article. Can I go back and find my old MySpace page? You know what? I didn't have – did you have one? I never had one, dude. Yeah, I did. I did. And I I can't remember my login, so I don't remember it. I'm not going to make fun of you, dude, because now it turns out MySpace was better than Facebook, so – I can't believe you, Chris. I can't believe you would stoop to the level of having a MySpace page. 
Like, have one <laughs> I may. I also had one, and I'm very ashamed of it. Why, <laughs> dude? Don't be ashamed of it. I'm did, more ashamed for the. I'm sure the the <laughs> the emo music I had played. I was gonna say, did you trick it out with like the you get on um, it, and all of a yes. sudden sparkly things are falling across your screen and. <laughs> I had a whole playlist that as soon as you put on my page, all this sad, depressing music would play. <laughs> Was it Emo Johnny as your picture? Oh, oh good gosh, gosh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing, dude. I love it. <laughs> With arms wide open. Oh, Jesus. Flashbacks. I don't know why you always sing like that, but every song he did. Yes. I'm crazy. Butch, Butch Walker. He used to make fun of Scott Stop all the time. He called it the pickle and mouth technique. <laughs> he would he would do these like you know we can send you a video, sing like a rock star, the pickle and mouth technique. This is a pearl gem to me. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. There right? you go. Exactly. I remember oh, when Creep man. came out. I thought it was Pearl Jam. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, in the way back, <laughs> the way back machine, you found yourself some <laughs> articles. Better is waiting to slap your face <laughs> oh real quick uh real quick uh, carter i actually just brought up just a random video from bedtime stories yeah uh, the art is awesome on here oh it's amazing man they're yeah. they are a wonderful wonderful channel to watch really creepy stuff it's that guy does great and their narrator is pretty good too i, you know, I have to check this out just for the artwork because the artwork looks looks great oh but yeah it's, it's crazy man some of the stuff they do on there Anyway, so so you can go back and find, you know, whatever you want as far as history stuff goes. So I got an article here from the Washington Post dated July 6th, 1978. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start with that. I'm going to quote this to start with because uh, it sounds pretty creepy. Uh, two hours before midnight, last February 24th. That would be in 1978, when the basketball game ended at the California State University at Chico. Five young men from the flatlands 50 miles to the south climbed into a turquoise and white 69 Mercury Montego and drove out of the parking lot. They were fans of the visiting team, which had won. They stopped three blocks away at Bears Market, mildly annoying the clerk who was trying to close up. And bought one Hostess cherry pie, one Langendorf lemon pie, blech, oh, one yeah. Snickers bar, one Marathon bar, two Pepsis, and a quart and a half of milk. All right, question. Marathon so, bar. Marathon bar. Never once had one. Never once saw anybody else buying one. I don't even know what it yeah. looks like. What is a marathon bar? It's like this bar that does all kinds of different events. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up right now, Marathon Bar. <laughs> oh, and I don't like I don't like lemon pies. I'm so with you. The cherry pie I was on board for, but lemon yeah. pie, no thanks. And I'm good with the Snickers bars and the Pepsi's yeah. and the milk Same. too. Like, Same. So it seems it seems like the Marathon Bar changed its name to the Curly Whirly. But it just looks like it, you, if you took four or five pretzels. Hey, is that true? I'm not sure. It's, so there's a thing here called Curly Whirly and then in parentheses Marathon Bar. Then there's a very, very old school advertising with Marathon Bar. And they both look the same. Basically, it's like if you took five or six chocolate covered pretzels in a row, poured some more chocolate over them so they'd all kind of stick together. But like the holes still fall through. Uh, that's what it looks like. A bunch of chocolate, well, yeah, chocolate covered pretzels in a row. 
We definitely have mar- it's definitely marathon bars down here. The curly swirly or whatever it was called. Curly whirly. The, cur- the curly whirly literally sounds like what bullies would give you in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I this th- this these candy bars. That's why I always covered my nipples. I didn't want to get the curly whirlies. Curly whirlies. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So a marathon bar is found on the belongings. Yes. Well, I guess they they spoke to the clerk, but we'll get to that. Uh, where was I? There I was. Okay. Then they walked out of the store, got back in their car, drove south out of Chico, and disappeared. Now, let's start with that. Okay. We've got five guys in a car. Uh, give me one second here. I got to go through my notes, of course, and I'll give you their... I'll give you their names. Um, the first gentleman uh, was named Gary Dale Mathias. He was uh, 25 at the time this happened. Um, he was uh, an Army veteran. Um, he was uh, kicked out of the Army uh, in the 70s uh, when he was stationed in West Germany because he developed a drug problem, uh, which led to a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Okay, so this guy was sent home from the army and lived with his parents at the time uh, while he was getting treatment at a a mental facility that was nearby. Uh, During that time, he was arrested twice for assault and very and suffered various psychotic episodes. Okay, Mm. but from what I can determine at the time this happened, he was doing a lot better. He was on medication. The medication was working. Uh, But what? The, what makes this interesting is that each one of these five gentlemen uh, were, I don't want to say mentally impaired, but each of them had various uh, mental difficulties. We'll say that. Uh, we've got five gentlemen, Gary Mathias, uh, Bill Sterling, who was 29, uh, Jack Hewitt, who was 24, Ted Weir, who was 32. And Jack Madruga, who was 30, and Madruga was also uh, an Army veteran. Um, his background, from what I've been able to find, is a little sketchier. Uh, and you'll find out why, in a minute, Matthias's background is so out there. Um, so, these guys disappeared in February of 1978. Um, at the time of their disappearance, there was a major, major... Uh, snowfall uh, in their area, which, of course, as we know, that hampers search and rescue efforts. Um, so these guys were missing basic, well, I say missing, until June of that year. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit here. Um, these five guys uh, were all basically friends uh in this uh, area near near uh, University of California at Chico, and their main like way that the the main reason they were all friends was sports. They played on a a, a basketball team uh, called the Gateway Gators that was uh, sponsored uh, by a local program for the mentally handicapped. I'm quoting that directly from uh, Wikipedia, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, so that was why they had gone. Uh, to this basketball game, they had uh, they had their own game the the very next day. Uh, so their plan was, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to see this game, we're going to come home, 
and tomorrow we're all going to go play basketball. So after their their team, which they were cheering for, won the game, uh, they got back in the car and they drove down to this place, Bears Market, and they were able to you know speak to the clerk later on uh, and get all the details from the clerk. Uh, and like I said, they bought snacks and sodas and blah 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 and got back in the car. None of them were ever seen alive after that point. Okay. The last time anybody saw him was driving away. The clerk. Yes. At that at that time, a couple of the guys' parents had stayed up, you know, to make sure that they got home. And when the, when morning came, they had they hadn't returned home. They called cops. So cops start searching the roads between Butte and Yuba counties. Okay. Uh, along basically along the highway that would they would have taken to Chico and come back on. Uh, there was no sign of the Montego found anywhere on the road. But a few days later, a forest ranger told the cops that he had seen the Montego parked along Oroville Quincy Road in the forest on February 25th. That's also quoted from Wikipedia. This was nowhere near where they should have been. Um, at the time that this guy saw the car, he didn't consider it, this park ranger saw the car, he didn't consider it super significant because apparently, I didn't know this, apparently many people drive up into the Sierra Nevadas on winter weekends, you know, to go skiing and to hike on this uh, extensive trail system. Now, me personally, I ain't hiking in the snow, but whatever. So this guy saw the missing persons bulletin and recognized the car that they had listed on the bulletin. So the cops found the car, and inside the car, they found all the snacks and everything that the clerk had told them that these guys had purchased. So the they didn't even, they weren't even like munching on it while they were driving. They were saving this to for for their camping trip. Well, what they said is that it was like the wrappers oh, and the okay, empty okay. cartons. So okay. they didn't. So at no point did they even stop to throw the stuff out once they were done. Okay. And whenever they left the car, they didn't take it with them either. So. They found the stuff in the car, already drank, already eaten, what have you. Um, they also found a roadmap of California in the car, which is which is where we are, the state that this takes place in. I should have mentioned that before. Sorry. Uh, now, car's empty. Okay? Car's empty. The cops can't figure out why it's been abandoned on the road here. They had five guys could have easily pushed this car out of the snowdrift that it's in. It wasn't dead. They were able to hotwire it and fire it back up. It still had about a quarter tank of gas in it, too. So it hadn't broken down or anything like that. Um, now, here's, here's where things start to get kind of weird. Uh, Jack Madruga's parents said he didn't like the cold weather. Okay, and he'd never been up in the mountains. But Bill Sterling's father had once upon a time taken the boy up to the place near where the car was found. Not the exact area, but near where the car was found for a, a weekend fishing trip. But apparently Sterling didn't have a good time and insisted on staying home every time his dad went fishing after that. Hmm. So the keys were not in the car which is, I guess, kind of significant. 
and that's originally what led the cops to think, oh, well, they maybe they abandoned it because it wasn't working. But it turns out it was working just fine. Um, they took the car in, you know, impounded the car and examined it. The car had no dents, gouges or mud scrapes on it, which apparently is unusual because it's a it's, a, you know, a lower car. This is a mountain road. With many, many bumps and ditches and ruts and potholes. And uh, I don't believe this road was paved. I haven't found anything that says, yes, this was a paved road. But I haven't found anything that says it was unpaved. But the way they're describing it, I'm going to go with like a dirt kind of road here. So you would expect the car to be a little messed up on the undercarriage, but it wasn't. So what they determined from that was that either someone was familiar with the road or had driven really, really slow and careful. Madruga, whose car this was, wouldn't let anybody else drive the car. He was super protective of his car. But when they found the car, it was unlocked, and there was a window rolled down, which, according to Madruga's parents, was very unlike him to leave the car that way. Um, The snow came in and pretty much killed anything until killed any searching until summertime basically oh man Um, yeah it's another one of those weird cases apparently we're up in about 4400 feet elevation on this road so the snow line is can get pretty nasty up there so they have to call off the search now uh of course, they you know put out an, a, a bulletin. They're getting tips. Most of the tips are you know dead ends and leading nowhere. Uh, but there are two uh, apparently that that stand out, um, and both of them are very strange. So the first one uh, is a guy from Sacramento named Joseph Shons uh, or Shones. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce this this name. So pardon me if I get it wrong. Um, And this is a weird story in and of itself. So strap in, guys. Hmm. Uh, This guy told the cops that he inadvertently spent the night of February 24th near where the Montego was found. Apparently, this guy had gone up there, uh, gone up this road towards where he had uh, a cabin. And he was kind of scouting out the area because he was going to take his family up there. He wanted to see how bad you know, the snowfall had gotten at 5 30 PM. He got stuck in the snow. Uh, in the process of trying to free his car, he realized he was having a heart attack and got back in the car, uh, and left the engine running. So he'd stay warm. Holy crap. Yeah. Six hours later, this is what he told the cops. Six hours later, he's lying in the car and experiencing severe chest pains, um, obviously from his heart attack. He sees headlights coming up behind him. Uh, He looks out and he sees this car parked behind him with the headlights on and a group of people kind of standing around it, one of which he said looked like a woman holding a baby. He says he called to them for help. But when they heard him, they stopped talking and turned the headlights off. Later on, he doesn't give a specific time for this one, but later on he says he saw more lights behind him, including what he thinks was was flashlights, and he called out to them and got no response. 
after that, he says he 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 saw a pickup truck parking about twenty feet behind him for a brief period, and then it moved on. Uh, he he told the cops that he couldn't be a hundred percent sure of that because obviously he's suffering a heart attack and the pain is you know uh, affecting his judgment just a tad bit. Um, his car ran out of gas early in the morning on the twenty fifth. And he says his pain subsided enough for him to walk, check this, to walk eight miles back down the road to a ski lodge where the manager of the lodge drove him home, at which point they passed the abandoned uh, Montego. And the doctors, the guy went in for medical examination. Doctors confirmed he did have a mild heart attack. Wow. Okay. So, um, they talked to some of the parents. Ted Weir's mom says that ignoring pleas for help was not, if he indeed was there at the time, was not like her son. That if he had heard that, he would have gone back uh, to help. Um, so the second weird report uh, is from another shopkeeper. This is a separate store now. A shopkeeper in Brownsville, which was about 30 miles from where the car was found. Um, which apparently they could have reached if they had simply stayed on the road and kept walking. Uh, however, 30 miles at night in the snow, you know, doesn't, I don't think you would have made that. But anyway, so this, this shopkeepers uh, on, on March 3rd, uh, this shopkeeper saw some flyers that had been distributed in the area, um, you know, with their pictures and information and such. Um, and she called, uh, she called the number. She says that she saw all of them walk in, uh, and, and kind of knew this is her, these are her words. She knew that they were from out of the area due to their big eyes and facial expressions. <laughs> Two of the men who she identified as Hewitt and Sterling. Are they anime characters? Exactly. That's what I understand. Hewitt and Sterling, she says, were in the phone booth that was outside the store while the other two went inside. All right. So that's a total of four guys out of five. All right. Um, And apparently the the owner of the store filled in uh, some other details. Um, he says that Weir and Hewitt came in and bought burritos, chocolate milk, and soft drinks, uh, none of which was found in the car, if you recall. Um, Weir's, Ted Weir's brother uh, told the LA Times that while he was driving to Brownsville in a different car, uh, the owner's description of the two guys or the two, I'm sorry, the two men's behavior uh, was consistent as this is what the brother says, as Weir would eat anything he could get his hands on and was often accompanied by Hewitt more than any of the other four. However, Hewitt's brother said Jack hated using telephones to the point that he would have his brother uh, handle calls. Okay. So we've got two really, really 
really strange reports, one of which is even more strange than the other. This guy that had the heart attack. All right, so. It's now June. We haven't found any of these guys. We've heard some weird stories, but that's pretty much it. Uh, on June 4th, this is a really, this, this is, mm, this is weird. On June 4th, once most of the snow and stuff had melted, um, a group of motorcyclists, okay, uh, went to a trailer that was maintained by the Forest Service at a campsite off the road, about 20 miles from where the Montego was found. This is one of those, like, shelters, you know, that they stock. The, the, the Forest Service will use it for, like, uh, a fire lookout and, you know, a base camp if they if they have to do, like, search and rescue operations or, or whatnot. You know, it's one of those places, like, they have it stocked with food and water and there's, you know, a fireplace and there's clothing and blankets and all kinds of stuff um, in this place. So, so these motorcyclists show up, they stop. When they, when they get to this place, they notice that there's, like, a really bad smell hanging around. And uh, one of the motorcyclists sees that one of the windows on this trailer, like one of the windows in the front, has been broken open. So they go and open the door and just, you know, get overwhelmed by dead guy smell. Okay. Uh. They go in. There's one body in there. And it was later they were able to identify it as Ted Weir. It was Ted Weir's body. Oh. So the search and rescue people come back to the area where this trailer is. Uh, and about 11 miles from the car, they find the remains of Madruga and Sterling. Um, looks like Madruga's body had, uh, been partially eaten, uh, by animals. Uh, only, there were only bones left and they were kind of scattered, you know, over an area. Uh, from what they were able to determine, both of these, both of these two died of hypothermia. Um, which seems like it may have happened like on the hike between the car and this trailer, you know, um, they speculate one may have been dying and the other refused to leave him behind. Um, so two days later, this is a horrible one. Two days later, Jack Hewitt's father found his son's backbone under a bush two miles from the trailer. Uh, clothing, shoes and jeans was nearby, uh, and the father was able to identify those as his sons. Uh, and the man's skull was found a bit downhill, about 300 feet away, and they used dental records uh, to confirm that it was Hewitt. From what they were able to determine from the remains, they speculate that he also died of hypothermia. But again, that's speculation. It sounds like there were a lot less remains left to make a determination off of. Uh, about a quarter mile northwest of the trailer, the rest search and rescue guys found three Forest Service blankets and a rusted flashlight by the road. But they couldn't tell how long the stuff had been there. Okay. So, back to the trailer. Uh, inside the trailer, um, where Ted Weir's body was, uh, Weir's body was found on a bed in this trailer, uh, with eight sheets wrapped around it, uh, including the head. Now there's some 
debate as to whether they were sheets or like winter blankets. Um, because uh, the 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 remains uh, told the investigators that apparently Weir had had really bad gangrene on his feet, so he wouldn't have been able to to move or go anywhere anyway. So they speculate that the uh, that uh, Matthias, you know, may have put him in this bed and and kind of tried to make him comfortable or whatever. Uh, but he obviously wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, they were able to tell from the growth of his beard that he may as, he may have lived as long as thirteen weeks. Wow! From Wait, from the from the car. Were they sure that it was animals that ate part of the other body? I mean, I don't want to. You know what I mean? I we're gonna get there. Oh, we're gonna get there. Um, on the table, like a bedside table next to Weir's body. They found his wallet with cash still in it, uh, a ring with his name engraved on it that he uh, apparently wore a lot, and as well as a gold necklace that he also wore. But there was a gold watch on the table missing its crystal, which all of the families confirmed did not belong to their sons. They also found a partially melted candle on the table. Now, Weir was wearing a velour shirt and lightweight pants, but they could not find his shoes. His shoes were not uh, near where the body was found. All right. Now, here's where it gets weirder. There was no fire set in the fireplace, even though there was matches and uh, plenty of, <laughs> apparently plenty of paperback novels that they could have burned. Um, there was also heavy forestry clothing uh, stored in the trailer, which was not used. Um, a dozen sea ration cans from a storage shed outside the trailer had been opened and eaten, but a locker within the same shed had, like, apparently a huge supply of dehydrated food, which they say was enough to keep all five fed for a year. Uh, and it hadn't been touched. Another oh. shed nearby had a butane tank that had they opened the valve, it would have run the trailer's heating system, at least for a little while. Right. However, here's where it gets strange. Weir's family uh, said that this behavior was consistent as they described him having a lack of common sense arising from his mental disability. Uh. For example, he often questioned why he should stop at a stop sign. Okay. Uh, but apparently Weir was not, had not been alone in the trailer because they found Mathias, Gary Mathias's shoes in the trailer. Okay. They theorized that Mathias may have decided to swap shoes with Weir because Weir had larger feet. And Matthias's feet may have been swollen from frostbite. And then he took his friend's shoes in a last-ditch you know, effort to try to get out and find some help. Now, they don't know how these guys, what drove these guys to leave the vehicle in a, in a snowstorm in the middle of the night 
in freezing temperatures and attempt to hike to this trailer, which they had no idea of knowing was there. Um, some people say maybe Matthias went nuts because he wasn't taking his medication. Um, but there's no indication on any of the bodies, even Weir's, that there was any kind of foul play involved. There's no blunt force trauma. There's, you know, there's none of those kinds of indicators. Um, apparently, they say uh, a Forest Service snowcat had gone along the road uh, in the direction of the trailer and that these guys may have simply followed the tracks that it left behind because apparently it went through about a day before this happened. Um, There's, there's like no, there's no solution here, guys. There's no, uh, they still don't know what happened. Gary Mathias has never, his body's never been found, but he's also never been seen again. So, I mean, just, just cause they haven't found his body hmm. yet doesn't mean they won't find it in the future. You know, maybe at the bottom of a ravine or something, I don't know, but. This one is uh this one is kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, I I have heard this one before. Um it's it's very strange because there's so many unanswered questions involved with this. Uh you know, um I don't remember if you answered this question or not Carter, but uh like w- did they find anything wrong with the car? No, apparently the car was in perfect working order and still had gas. Okay. Yeah, that makes it even more strange. Hmm. Um, there's a theory that they may have gotten into uh, some kind of scuffle at this basketball game that they were at because they were cheering for the visiting team. Um, there's a theory that, that someone saw them get into a scuffle in the parking lot and that the people they got into the scuffle with may have followed them. Um, but it doesn't explain why Madruga went up this back alley county road do you know what i mean yeah something obviously something made them go there and obviously something made them get out of the car yeah interesting and And they've never found any other like any other evidence no other footprints that they couldn't account for or you know what i mean forensic evidence nothing nothing yeah nothing that they said um the uh, the car, I think, is the the, the thing that, that they the investigators focused on the most at the time, because that was what they you know pretty much had to go on. But and what about this this random woman with a baby? Yeah, I you know there's not a whole lot about that guy's story. Um. You know, the focus is on the five missing, obviously, the, as it should be, the five missing guys at the time. But I don't think they tried to follow. Well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of information to follow up on, but it, it sounds like they may not have even been there, like been in the car at that point. Hmm. time wise i'm I'm basing this on like a timeline right that 
whatever or whoever drove him away from the car, that that had kind of already happened by that point. And maybe it was just somebody stopping, you know, because they saw a, 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 a car on the road, you know, right. but but why wouldn't they why don't he called for help? Why wouldn't they go back and check on him? Yeah, and the other thing that's weird to me is if they went to two different stores and neither time did they apparently seem like they were in trouble or anything, right? Like, yeah. They, yeah, that's, exactly. That's strange to me, too. Exactly. You would think if the one theory about a scuffle or a fight was true, why would they have even stopped at that convenience store? The one that they yeah. can confirm they actually stopped at, you know. And if and even if they did stop, because sometimes I think one of the things I've I've solved like for your safety, if you know you're being followed, is to is to find like a really populated area. Yeah, and kind of go there. So, yeah, uh, but why wouldn't you say anything? Like, hey, these these guys are following us or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or call the police know, or call the yeah, exactly. Call the police. Call the police. Why why wouldn't you say something about that? Now, apparently, this 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 is a a thing from Reddit. So. I'm just throwing this in as a theory. There is no evidence whatsoever to back any of this up. Um, apparently a woman who claimed she was, I think it's, I, I want to say it's like Madruga. She claimed she was Madruga's sister-in-law or something like that. She, she was one of the guy's sister-in-laws or something like that. Anyway, she claimed that Matthias had been thrown off a bridge. And that's what scared the other four into running. But that doesn't account for Matthias's shoes at the trailer or why they would have, uh, uh, you know, stopped. Where does she come up with that? I don't know. I couldn't find anything other than, you know, a quick mention. Yeah. Uh, of it in, in you know in the in the Wikipedia article or in, I couldn't I couldn't find the Reddit thread that this was supposedly on. Um, but of course that you know that doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know that it didn't happen. It just I can't find anything that backs that up. So there's there's no telling what. It's a true mystery. Yeah, I. It's almost like there's, there there's too many missing pieces here, right? To see the big picture. Yeah, there's so many possibilities here because you just don't know anything. And there's a lot of hearsay involved yeah. too. You know, obviously they can confirm that these guys went to the store, um, and bought these things from this clerk. But after that, I mean, and that's the thing. If someone had chased them up there, you'd think there would have been tracks. Right. You know, you'd think there would have been tire tracks or something because they, they obviously were, didn't abandon their car there. Right. So. Right. Unless they were hiding or thought they were hiding or something. I don't, I don't know. But then still, why would they get out of the car? Right. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, exactly. Now we're now we're on to the Dyatlov Pass part of it. What would drive five men, if there were indeed five men at that point in time, to get out of the car, you know, at night in the middle of 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 winter, basically, above the snow line? 
you know, what, what would drive five men to do that? I mean, unless there's a gun involved, you know, I would, I mean, obviously I would run from that, but yeah, there was, there's no evidence of that. You'd think there'd be, Hmm. you know, a bullet casing or, you know, um, a hole in the car or something like that. But again, if they didn't find any evidence of anyone else being around, you know, it does. Exactly. It seems like it, it may have gone bad from within. Maybe it could have. You know what I mean? Like something happened between the guys and, and who knows, one went nuts and did something. Well, and that's the interesting part, right? Matthias theoretically could have gone nuts if he didn't have his medication, but it can take a week for medication like that, you know, to cycle out of your system if you've been up to date on it. So maybe it wasn't him though. You know what I mean? No. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it was him and he went nuts, it does. It feels like it would have happened later at the trailer, Mm. you know, and not, and not in the car immediately. Cause he technically at that point, he would have still been on his medication. Like he probably had taken it that morning or something, you know? I don't know, man. It's it's a really, really weird one. At least with Dyatlov Pass, they could say, yes, this, this person was killed by blunt force trauma. This person was killed by this. With this one, I mean, hypothermia, I buy that because of the temperature and where they were. So it's totally conceivable that three of those guys could have died from hypothermia on the way to that trailer. And that if the trailer hadn't have been there, we would have they would have found Weir's and Matthias's bodies out there in the snow, too. Right. You know? So. I don't know, man. What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm going to open too, the floor for. <laughs> is it, there's just too many questions with this one for to me to even feel like I can have a theory. I think it was aliens. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might as well be aliens, honestly. <laughs> was it not? I mean, they didn't. Re- we didn't talk about the lights that were seen in the sky that night. No, we didn't, did we? So maybe it was yeah. aliens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it is. Remember, it's a true mystery. Yeah, I remember hearing about this one before, and and you know what, Chris, you're right. That's there were lights. You're right. We we do need to mention that. Oh, there were lights seen in the sky that night, reported by people in the area. Wait, for real? Because I was just messing around. No, I'm not shitting you, man. Oh, then it was aliens, dude. I mean, confirmed. That's it. We solved the case. Who do we? Who do we contact? Who do we contact? <laughs> History creeps breaks the case. That's what we do. No, that's uh, it is weird though, you know. And and when it's like what Johnny was basically saying, when you have too many questions, it's hard to have an, have a thought on what it could have been because anything you're saying is it could be anything, right? Like I said, it could be aliens, yeah. could be one of them went nuts, could be uh, could be external, could be you know people came by, found these guys doing you know hanging out, uh, doing their thing, and and decided they were going to try to rob them, found out they didn't have enough. Killed them, took bodies away. Who knows, right? Could be a, a, a carnies that came through all, you know, Texas chainsaw style. It could have been Bigfoot. We don't know. There you go. Yeah. You get old Bigfoot. Man. Well, they're There's up in the Sierra Nevada mountains, dude. So, like, that has to be considered as a possibility, as far fetched yeah. as it might seem. That's true. That's true. 
Well, hmm. this is a wild one, Carter. Yeah, this one is really weird, right? There's yeah. there's a lot. There's in like this one. No, there's like so many tangents. You could, you know, like how did the car get up there without getting messed up? Yeah, I mean, because my thought, my first thought was maybe the car got stuck. Or something like that, you know, yeah. or or it broke down, and they had and they had to leave the car, uh, and and the weather just got bad because that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but sounds like the car was still able to to be just fine. So I don't know. I don't know. Same. I yeah, it's a really weird one, man. It's a really weird one. Well, let's. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> It's a creature, dude. You got cryptids running through the house. No, we got a my my nephew is here and he's got his little dog with him. Oh. I guess his little dog just yelped. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, a little, his little shizu. There you uh, go. Poor thing. I don't know what happened over there. But uh, so, <laughs> listeners, creepers, what do you think? What do you think happened? Uh, uh, very curious what the listeners think on this one. And if and if if our listeners have any other any information, anything I didn't mention. You know, feel free, feel free to throw that in there, because yeah, I want to hear about how this the men in black, one. the men in black came around. Maybe they saw the lights, and this is the work of the government, the work of the men in black. Who knows? Um, mm. But yeah, listeners, you can definitely leave a comment underneath the posting on our History Creeps Facebook page. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm just going to ponder this one now because I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know. I definitely, I definitely want to even study more on this one just to see. I do. I definitely want to look more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's uh, a good one, Carter. Yes, sir. Yeah, that one's just straight. At least when we covered the outlaw pass, we could say, well, it was probably they saw it. You know, there were yeah, lights we in had, the sky. It was maybe it was Bigfoot. And it, so, you know, the more Bigfoot details Bigfoot killed him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, more details on that one than this one. This one's just so wide open. It's it can be anything. Yeah, who knows? We'll probably open up the news tomorrow and find out more stuff was found out. I love that's the thing I love too. I feel like sometimes it's like a kismet thing. Like we'll talk about a certain case and like next week there'll be a break in it or more information comes out. So who knows? Maybe we'll get some more here. Yeah, maybe they find his body finally. Oof, yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, um, quick update. The the little dog is fine. Awesome. Uh, awesome. These <laughs> all good dog lovers out yeah. there can rejoice. Yeah. yeah. Um she's she's running around here. She's just fine. There you go. She's just excited to be hanging out with Johnny and guest starring yeah, on Hard History Creeps. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, Creepers. John, uh, Carter, that was an awesome story. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you you go back, go to BICBP-radio.com, support uh, a lot of the other podcasts on the network. Again, if you haven't followed our Facebook page, check it out, History Creeps Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate your support, Creepers. Uh, and if that's all for you guys, hit the lights, lock the windows, set the alarm, I'm leaving. Uh, I got to make sure to grab my curly whirly bars. And uh, as always, stay creepy.